My name is Matt Bell. I'm the pastor here at Destiny Church. And Amen. One person is excited today. God bless you. <laughs> and it's uh, really good to be uh, with you. At Destiny, we believe God has a divine calling, a divine purpose, a divine plan for every person on planet Earth, including you. That you have not been left out of God's purpose and plan. That God has a calling on your life, uh, something of divine uh, importance. You were created in God's image and that he, he, he has something for you to accomplish on, in this earth. That you're not an accident, that, that your life has meaning and value and worth. And so at Destiny Church, we're all about living that out, walking that out every single day. That divine calling, that destiny that God has on our lives. One of the ways that we find it, the primary way that we find that is by opening up the pages of Scripture and, and learning about God. The Bible is about God. The Bible is all about Jesus and, and God's story of redemption of humanity. And so right now we are in the book of 1 John. We're, we're coming towards the end of our series going through the book of 1 John together. The series is called Love One Another. And uh, we've been learning about loving each other, loving God and loving others. And today we're going to continue in that theme. And uh, we're into the, now the final chapter of First John. We'll be finishing it up here in a couple of weeks. And how many of you enjoyed our time together in First John? It's been, it's been rich. Amen. It's been good. I've really enjoyed uh, going through it, learning, and studying, and teaching. And I pray that it's uh, bearing good fruit in your lives. Now, as we get to this text today, John is going to tackle for us, I think, maybe one of the most important questions that we will ever ask as Christians. And if, if we're honest with ourselves, if we've been serving the Lord any length of time, we've all wondered this, we've all pondered this, we've all asked ourselves this question. Today, John's going to give us the answer for it. The question is, how do I know if I'm really saved? Have you ever wondered that? I know I have. How do I, know, how do I really know? How do I truly know that I am, I am a child of God like we were singing about this morning? There's some good things that are promised for God's children, amen? How do I really know that I'm saved? If, if you serve the Lord for any length of time, maybe even right after you gave your life to the Lord, you got out to the parking lot and the devil started lying to you, telling you you're not really saved. Yeah, nothing happened. Nothing happened. If, if, if we're honest, if, if we've all wondered this. We've all pondered, how can I know? You know, in the book of Revelation, we, we, we open that book, the last book of the Bible. It talks about what, what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. And at Destiny Church, we believe in the return of Christ to the earth. And, and what will it be like? And, and we see that at the end, that, that there is this great judgment that Jesus judges the world. And, and he opens this book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And it says that everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life enters into eternal judgment. And so I want to know that my name is in that book, right? And, and so today, here's what I hope that we can all leave with today as we study this scripture, that we can all leave with the confidence and the security that our name is written in that book. 
That, that we don't have to wander through life and wander and, and be confused. Am I in? Am I out? Today, John is going to bottom line it for us. He's going to say, these people are in. These people are out. These people are children of God. These people are not. These people are saved. These people are not. These people are Christians. These people are not. And, and for the vast majority of us in here today, I believe that we're going to go, whew. Yes. I am a child of God. And for the, the rest of you here today, I hope that you go, I want to be a child of God. I'm giving my life to Jesus today. And that you can know, all of us here today, we can leave here knowing and having confidence and assurance that we are saved and that our eternity is secure. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it teaches us about you and how that we can know you and be saved by you and be in relationship with you. Lord, thank you that it shows us that you are a good father, that you do love us and care for us and watch over us. Lord, as we study this word today, I, I pray that, that, that Holy Spirit, you would uh, give answers to where there are questions. Lord, that, that, that we would not leave here with, with question marks. Lord, that, that you would put a period there, that, that we would have the answers to these questions, even this very most of important questions about whether we are born again children of God. We thank you for your word. pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So let's read it. Just five uh, short verses today. We're going to take our time going through it, and it's going to be good. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. Here in verse 1, John gives us the evidence for someone who has been born again. The evidence that someone is saved. The evidence that someone is a Christian. And what does he say? Verse 1, everyone who has been uh, born again, or rather everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. How can you know that you are saved? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you are saved. Is it really that simple? Yes, it is. It's really that simple. If you truly believe in the heart of hearts that Jesus is the Christ, it means that you are saved right now. Period. End of story. So let's unpack this 
this phrase. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Some people ask, can I be saved? Can God save me? Can God forgive me of my sins? Yeah, I know, you know, pastor, God's forgiven you of your sins, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things that I've said and the, the things that I've done. Can, can God forgive me of, of those sins? Yes, he can. Everyone. Who does that include? It includes you. It includes every single person. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Yes, God can forgive your sins. Absolutely, Jesus' blood can wash away every sin. He says everyone who believes. So this is an issue of faith. This means trusting wholeheartedly. Not, not holding anything back, but, but giving ourselves totally to this belief. Not kind of believing on Sundays, but really not believing on Mondays, and definitely not believing on Fridays. No, it means a wholehearted giving of ourselves to what? To this idea, to this statement that we're trusting completely in that Jesus is the Christ. Now, we've talked about this several times as we've gone through 1 John, that that this word Christ, that it is a title, that it has a, a very rich meaning to it, that it is not Jesus' last name, that it is a, it is a position, it is an office. And, and what it means that, that Jesus is the Christ, it means that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior of the world, that he is the Son of God, that he is the anointed one. Th this term Christ, it, it's kind of like this um, all-encompassing blanket statement that with it includes all of the biblical truths about who Jesus is. To say that Jesus is the Christ is to affirm that I believe what the scriptures teach about Jesus. I believe what they say about him. I believe that he is Emmanuel, God with us. The, the truths about Jesus that we find in Scripture, the, this term Christ, what it represents, and, and what we must believe to be born again, it's that we believe that through Jesus, that God, the Creator God, the, the one true and living God, became a man, that he walked among us, that he lived among us, yet without sin. That Jesus was not just a man, he was not just a good man, but that we believe that Jesus was the God-man, and that he lived without sin. Could you imagine that? I, it, it's, hard to even, it's hard to even imagine what a life without sin would be like. It'd be like asking a fish what it would be like to not be wet. It, it, it just, it, you, you can't even, we don't even have a, a, a place in our brain to put that. But Jesus lived without sin, never once 
sinning. He lived a perfect and sinless life. And that in love, Jesus offered up his life as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That Jesus on the cross took the penalty for my sin. That Jesus bore my shame, my defeat, my failures, my inadequacy, my rebellion, my death, my penalty. Jesus took it all upon himself in love. Amen. The nails should have been my nails. The lashes should have been my lashes. The, the, the mocking, the beatings, that, that's what I deserved. It's not what Jesus deserved. But in love, he took my place. In love, he took your place. That God poured out upon Jesus the wrath that I deserved rightfully, justly, because of my sin. We believe that Jesus died bodily on the cross, that he was laid in a tomb, and that three days later, he kicked that stone away, and he rose bodily from the dead. Amen. And that through his resurrection, as God raised him to life on that third day, that Jesus defeated Satan, that Jesus defeated the power of sin, the powers of darkness, demonic forces, that Jesus defeated hell. Jesus even defeated death. So that the Apostle Paul can write, I'm not even afraid to die. It says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Whether I live or whether I die, it's all to the glory of God. He defeated death. Paul says, death, where is your victory? Where is the sting of death? It has been removed. To, to, to die in Christ is to be trans, translated, transformed, to be, to be taken from this broken world into the presence of God Almighty. To live with our Heavenly Father for all eternity. If we are in Christ, if we are God's children... We live to the glory of God as long as God will give us breath. And to leave this place is a big time upgrade. It doesn't matter whether you're living in the dominion or whether you're living under the bridge downtown. To leave this place is an upgrade. From the greatest castle to, to, to the, the, the lowest of the lows. Listen, when we leave this earth, it's an upgrade. It's gain our eternal reward. It means that Jesus, we believe that Jesus is the Christ. It means that we believe that he ascended into heaven and that right now he is seated on a throne in glory at the right hand of the Father and that one day soon Jesus is returning to, to judge the world of sin, to, to completely remove and eradicate sin and the effects of sin from our world. And there will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness, disease, cancer, defeat. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. The Bible says there will actually be no more night. There won't even be darkness anymore. That, that, that the glory of Christ will, will shine and illuminate and give light to all of creation. That's what we believe. 
And that's what it means that Jesus is the Christ. That when he returns, he will establish his kingdom and reign for all eternity as the king of the universe. This is what it means when we say we believe that Jesus is the Christ. And so how can you know if you are born again? If you believe these things, you are born again. Period. And it's past tense. Do you see that? Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born again. If you believe these things, it means that you have been born again. It means that you're trusting in him. You're trusting in his sacrifice. You're not looking to anyone else or anything else to save you of your sins. You're not counting on your own good works or your own good deeds. You're not trusting in your own righteousness. You're not trusting in any other savior. You're saying, I'm all in on Jesus. It is only Jesus. That's what it means to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And if this describes you this morning, it does mean that you are born again. It means you have been saved. Belief in these things is evidence of salvation. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe this? If you believe this, it means that your position before God is secure. That your right standing before God is secure. That we don't have to live in, in fear and worry and, and, and be afraid that when Jesus comes back that we're going to be on the wrong side. That he's going to get all the way down to disease and the Lamb's Book of Life and our name wasn't there. No, if you believe this, it means your name is there. You know, when I was a little kid, um, I, I used to live in so much fear of Jesus returning. Uh, maybe, I can't remember if I talked about this last week or not, but, but they used to show these rapture movies in church, and it, I would be terrified that Jesus was going to come back, and I was going to be left behind. And so, I remember so many times... You know, in, in the book of Revelation, it says before Jesus comes back that the moon will be turned to blood. Now, what does that mean? I, no, I don't know what that means. Nobody knows what it means. Um, so I, I, I've read a whole gamut of stuff that people think that it means. Some people think that it even means that there's going to be a great, like, space battle that happens on the moon, and there's going to be tons of bloodshed up there. I, I don't know. Other people think that it means that the moon's going to be red, like a harvest moon. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is that we knew that verse as kids. And so anytime there was a harvest moon, anytime the moon was red, we'd be driving in the car and my dad would say, oh man, look at that moon. Jesus might be coming back tonight. That just terrified us. We'd, we, you know, we'd, every one of us would bow our heads right there and under our breath. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I'm so sorry. I, 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 I repent. Forgive me, Jesus. Amen. Every one of us, we'd have an altar call in the, in the back row of the suburban, you know, because we wanted to be sure, you know. We don't have to live in fear. If you believe this, it is evidence that you have been born again, that you can be confident in your position and right standing before God. 
God used, uh, John uses this phrase, born of God, and this is super important. What it means to be born of God, it means that I am now a child of God. I'm a child of God. We sang that song today, that he's a good, good father, and I'm loved by him. That's our identity now, that we have been loved by God. That's who I am. I'm, I'm someone who's loved by God. God is my father. We all have an earthly father. If you didn't have one, you wouldn't be here. We all got here somehow through some guy got us here to planet Earth and some lady. And they came together and made a baby. That's how we got here. We've all got an earthly father. Now, you might have had a good father. You might have had a bad father. You might have not even ever known your father. But it, nevertheless, we all share character traits of our parents. We all have uh, 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 the DNA of our earthly parents and of our earthly father. And what this is talking about here, if, if, we're, if we're born of God, it, it means that just as I share some of the traits of, of my earthly parents, and, and I shared a lot of traits with my dad, we liked a lot of the same stuff, we had a lot of the same dislikes, we had a very similar personality, very similar crooked sense of humor, very similar things that I shared with my dad. But what it also means is that if I'm a child of God, I now have supernatural DNA. That I have now been born of uh, what John called earlier spiritual seed. It's not just an earthly life that I'm now living, that I'm now living a, a supernatural, spirit-filled life uh, empowered by the Spirit of God. And what that means is that God's character and nature and traits just as I shared them with my earthly father, that now they can, God's nature and character and traits can now become birthed in my life. And just as I, I, I might look similar to my earthly dad, that as I live and walk with the Lord, I should start to look a lot more like my heavenly dad. This past week, I was flipping through the pictures on my phone, and, and I saw this picture of my dad, and it it freaked me out because he was sitting in our living room in the house we live in now. And we've only lived in that house for a year. And my dad's been passed away for six years. And I'm just like, for a second, I was so disoriented. Well, how is this a picture of my dad in our living room? And then I realized that it wasn't a picture of my dad. It was a picture that my kids had taken of me. And it, it freaked me out. I'm like, oh my goodness. I look so much like my dad in this picture. It, it really was bizarre. And, and I see this all the time uh, when I get, you know, a little bit um, bent out of shape at my kids, or especially when I'm disciplining them. Guess who comes to visit the house? My dad. But when, when I'm angry, guess who shows up? Dave Bell. He shows up. When I'm disciplining my kids, guess who's talking? It's not me talking. It's my dad. And I'm like hearing my dad's voice. It is the weirdest thing. Maybe you've experienced that a little bit in your own life. But what John is saying is that now we have a heavenly father. And, and we are to take on his nature and his character and the traits that, that he has. That we, we don't have to, to give in to 
our, our, our flesh, that we don't have to give in to sin, that we don't have to give in. The, 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 those shackles have been broken off of our lives. Broken off of our lives. Many of you have come from, from family cycles of, 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 of sin and family cycles of all of the brokenness of alcoholism, drug abuse, sexual abuse, violence, anger, hatred, racism, uh, uh, divorce, adultery, all of these cycles in your family. But when you come to Christ, that is broken in Jesus' name. Those powers of darkness are not at work in your life anymore. That Jesus has set you free today. We sang that song. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Now we still have the flesh and, and, and all of its leanings, but there is, a, there is a power now at work in my life that is stronger than my flesh. And I must yield my flesh to the power of God's spirit in my life. Does it mean it's going to be easy? No. Does it mean that as soon as I give my life to Jesus that, that I don't see these traits in my life anymore? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that if, if we will surrender those things to the Lord, that through the process of sanctification and, and time and walking with the Lord, that, that those cycles of destruction and death and defeat and sin, they can be broken. And they don't have to be passed on to your children and your children's children. That you can, by the power of God, say, it stops with me. It stops with me. Through God's power. Through God's power. It's not, it's not your own power. It's not your own strength. It's not your own willpower. Are you gritting your teeth and saying, I'm going to white knuckle through this? No, it, it's, you, it's, it's really through a life of surrender. Saying, you come, we come on our knees, we come broken before the Lord, and we say, God, I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in your word. I'm going to leave this. Give me the power to walk away from that and walk towards you. That's what it means to be born of God. That as I live my life walking with the Lord, I should begin to look more like him each and every day. It means I'm living out of this new nature that I have been born again. It also means that I love my heavenly father because he has loved me. We see that um, last week in, in chapter 4, verse 15, John said that we love God because he first loved us. John goes on to say that what it means to be born again is that we love God and that we love the rest of his kids. We love the rest of God's family. Because as we become more like God, we love the things that he loves. God loves his children. So us as Christians, we should love each other. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. So how can I know if I'm loving others? Verse 2, he says, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. What does keeping God's commandments have to do with loving others? Well, actually, it has everything to do with loving others. The majority of God's commandments teach us how to love one another. And in fact... Jesus summarizes all of God's commandments by saying, 
You first need to love God, and then you need to love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Apostle Paul picks up on this in Galatians 5.14. He says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Romans 13.9, Paul writes that the commandments, you know, the Ten Commandments, he gives some of them. He says, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, don't steal, don't covet, don't lie. Any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We can know that we're loving our neighbor when we're keeping God's commandments. Verse 3, he says that this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, if we're all being honest, and we should be because this is church, I think we could all admit that at one point or another, we felt like keeping one of God's command, commands was a burden. At least one. That, that there was something in this book written that we said, that kind of seems like a burden, not a blessing, God. Here he says that his commandments are not burdensome. So what it means is if I'm feeling that way about one of God's commands, it's a sign to me that I'm living out of my old nature, that I'm living in the flesh, I'm thinking in the flesh, that I'm not living out of the new nature that God has given to me. When I'm feeling that way, ugh, do I really have to love this person? I can love these 99 over here, but this one, you know, it means that I'm living in my flesh, the old nature that's fading away, that's passing away. All I have to do is get up in the mirror and realize that it's, my flesh is passing away, right? <laughs> this, this body of sin and death and, and all of it, it's fading away. I'm, I'm being recreated and reborn into the image of God. Amen. And even one day, my body will be glorified. But right now, it, 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 in my flesh, I have the, the pool of sin. And when I feel that God's commands are burdensome, I don't have time to go in into every category and try and touch all of you somewhere with a command you might feel burdensome by. But you know what it is for you right now. You know what it is. I don't have to say. When you're feeling that way, it means you're living out of the flesh. You need to surrender that to the Lord. You need to repent of that. Say, God, forgive me. God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking with the right thoughts. I know that your commandments are not burdensome. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What you might know or might not know is that a yoke is the thing that you would put on an ox and that that's what he would pull the plow with. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. In Jesus' day, a yoke was also something that they called a system of a rabbi's teaching. So Jesus says, my teachings are not burdensome. 
All these other rabbis, all these other teachers, all these other gurus, they have all their lists, all their rules, all their burdens that they want to place upon you. He says, if you've been wearied by trying to keep every law, keep it perfectly, and never doing enough, he says, lay that aside and take my teaching upon you, which is simply to love God and to love others. And if, if we will walk in that, we will keep God's commands. God's way is simple. We live in a complicated world. The reason our world is complicated is because of sin. But God's way is simple. We just need to love him. We just need to love others. And what all this is getting at is that the result of a changed heart, I've been born again, I've got a new nature, I've got a changed heart, that the result of a changed heart is a changed life. Too many times people try to, to put it the other way. They, they try to, to change their life to get a changed heart, and it's not the way it works. That God changes our heart. We're born again. We're forgiven. We're set free. And that as we walk that out each and every day, we live a changed life. Now, I might not understand all of God's commands. I'll be honest with you, I don't. I don't understand. I don't always understand or know how to love others right or perfectly. But I still am called to obedience. And obedience is the product of love. Obedience is the product of love. And it's not my love for God that produces obedience. It's God's love for me. It's God's love for me because he has first loved me. It's his love for me that allows me to trust in him. You know, my children, I tell them stuff all the time. I command them. I give them commandments. And they don't understand. They don't understand. But hopefully I have loved them in such a way that even when they don't understand, they will trust that I love them. That what I'm asking of them, that the boundaries that I'm placing on them is not because I want to keep good things from them or keep them from having fun, but it's because my heart for them is love. And as imperfect as my love is for my own children, God's love for us is perfect. And so as we look at God's commands and we say, ah, I, I just don't understand why that would be. But God, I trust you. God, I trust that you love me. And that if you've asked me to do it or if you've asked me to say it or if you've asked me to leave it behind, it's because you love me. And that's why obedience is birthed out of love. Not our love for God, but God's love for us. How many of, of, of you were like me? Uh, when you were a kid, you thought your parents didn't know Jack. Right? How, how can my parents be so dumb? How did, they, how did they make it this far knowing as little as they do? It's amazing. And then how many of you now that you have a few miles under your belt, you look back and you say, wow, they were right. It's, in, it's amazing how right they were. And that's us with God. There's many things in the Bible that I, as an immature Christian, I didn't understand. But as I've grown a little bit more, I now see it and say, oh, I understand that now. But there are things that we will never understand. But we still trust in him because he is good 
because he loves us. It's his love for us that allows us to step out in faith, believing that he is good. You see, to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, you have to believe that God is good. It's only a good God who would send his son to die for sinners. It's only a good God. He goes on to say the last few verses, four and five, as we conclude today, that everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There is a promise for those of us who have been born again. There's a promise for those of us who have faith in Christ, and that is that we will overcome the world. Now, this world, this word overcome, it implies with it that there's something to overcome. It implies with it that there will be some difficulty in this world, some hardships, some pain, some suffering, even some tragedy. What's implied in overcoming is that there is a great challenge or a great battle. You see, God does not promise that his children will have a life of ease or of comfort. In fact, it's, the quite, it's quite the opposite. Jesus said in John 16, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. You're not going to have peace in the world. You'll have peace in Christ. You're not going to have peace in, in, in what the world has to offer, the security of the world, the security. You're not going to have peace in that. You'll only have peace in Christ. Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, here's a promise from God. Don't you love the promises of God? Amen. In the world you will have tribulation. How many of you like that promise? I bet you there's not a single bumper sticker out there on your car today that says, has that promise from God on it. In the world, you will have tribulation. In fact, that would be a great place to put that promise because of the traffic in San Antonio. In the world, you will have tribulation. We should make that bumper sticker. We'd probably make a lot of money off of that. It's a promise from God. Because this world is broken. This world is not the way it's supposed to be. And so in this world, we will have tribulation. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Amen. And so we can, we can rest confidently. We can, we can have peace in the midst of the trials. Peace in the midst of the storms. Because while my storm might be happening in this world, I am in him. I am in Christ, and through Jesus Christ, I have overcome the world. So while God does not promise a life of ease or of comfort, God does promise that his children will ultimately be victorious over the world, and that we will do so through our faith in Jesus Christ. So many people throw in the towel on God. They call quits on God when the battles of life come. So many people turn their back on Christ. They walk away on Jesus when tragedy strikes. We've all seen friends and loved ones 
turned from God when things did not work out the way that they wanted. They blamed God, they got bitter, they got mad, and they walked away. And the truth is that life is full of these battles. Life is full of, of tragedy. Life is full of tribulation, Jesus says. You might be in the midst of one right now. We could, we, the list just goes on and on. Unfaithful spouse, being sexually abused as a child, suffering the death of a child or a loved one, cancer, disease, living with chronic pain, infertility, unemployment, financial hardship, persecution for your faith. Listen, we live in a broken world full of pain and suffering. You don't have to go very far before you find someone who is hurting. And you might be in here today in that place, hurting, in pain, in the midst of tribulation, because we live in this broken world, full of hardship, full of suffering, and not a single person gets a free pass through life. We will all taste the bitterness of this broken world. And in the midst of these battles, the pain is real. The suffering is real. And I get it. I understand it. Trust me. I understand the pain. And I'm not saying that we just sweep it under the rug and just, you know, hum, hum through life. I'm victorious. Hallelujah. While your world burns down. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that in the midst of these things, I must not turn my back on Jesus. I must not lose my faith because this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. This broken world may try to tear me down, but it will never take me out because I am a child of God. Amen. Because God is my Father. No, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I can take heart, seeing eyes wide open, feeling the hurt, the pain, that's caused from living in this broken world, I can have peace knowing that Jesus has overcome the world. And that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. It's my faith in Jesus that causes me to overcome in the face of every obstacle. It's my faith in Jesus that lifts me above the circumstances of life. It's through my faith in Jesus that right now I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's through my faith and trust in Jesus that I receive every spiritual blessing. So when life hits the fan and life hits the fan, trust me, I don't turn from God, I turn to God. I don't run from God, I run to God. I don't give up on Jesus. I give everything up to Jesus. I put it in my hands. I put my life in his hands. That's what it means to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is my Savior yesterday, today, and forever. So how do I know that I'm saved, that I've been born of God? Do you believe in Jesus? If so, 
take heart. You will overcome. You will overcome. You will not be defeated. You will not be defeated by, the, by this world if you hold on to the faith you have in Jesus. We will overcome through our faith. Don't, don't, don't let the world cause you to loosen your grip on Jesus. When the pressures of life, the pains of life, the struggles of life, the hurts of life, the tribulations in this world come, it should cause us to, to tighten our grip, to grab on uh, tighter, to hold on stronger. And when we do, you know what we realize? That it's really him who's holding on to us. That it's really him who's saying, I'm never going to let you go. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm, you can have peace. Because he has overcome the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good to us. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that we can know that we are, 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 have our, our eternity secure, that, that we uh, have a right standing before you if we have faith in Jesus. Thank you for the new nature, your spirit, your spiritual DNA that you give to us. Lord, help us to live in your power, not our own power, in your strength, not our own strength, for your glory, not for our glory. Lord, that we would turn from the, 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 the destructive forces of the world, the, the family cycles of brokenness, that through your strength and power, I thank you that we have been set free from those things that we have been set free from those things so that we might live freely for you. Lord, help us to, to love others deeply, to live a life of, of sacrifice, laying down our own wants, our own desires, uh, our own needs. Lord, that we could live and, and love others the way that you have lived, died, rose again, and loved us. Lord, thank you for the promise that no matter what we face in this life, that if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that we will overcome, that we will rise above, that we will be victorious. Lord, thank you for each person who is here. God, I thank you that you see them right now. You see the hurt, you see the pain, you see the struggle. Lord, that they're, they're, they are not you are not blind to them, that you see them that you know what they're going through. I thank you that your word to them today is that through you, they will overcome. That through you, they will be victorious. That through you and faith in your son, Jesus, that every foe has been defeated, that the victory has already been won. Lord, we look forward to the day of your soon coming return where you will once and for all, finally, definitively put to death sin and the effects of sin in our world. Until that day, Lord, give us the strength to live as your people, being salt and light in this world that is in so much darkness. We thank you and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.